Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Our Notre Dame football Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day. Here's your host, Evan Sharpley. This is the Game Day Show on your home for Fighting Irish Football. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, and we are live from the WSBT studio in Mishawaka getting ready for tonight's kickoff against the Northwestern Wildcats. The Irish are 8-0. How about that? Everyone in South Bend is probably tickled to death. It's felt like forever since the last national championship and the Irish faithful are chomping at the bit right now. And the college football playoff committee dropped their first rankings installment this last Tuesday. And instead of having the Irish at number three, the one loss LSU Tigers slip ahead. Notre Dame sits at number four. But ultimately, it really doesn't matter. LSU plays Alabama tonight, and it's likely both the SEC and Big Ten could take care of themselves anyways. If Notre Dame wins out, they're in, but they must win out. The Wildcats stand atop the Big Ten West after handily beating the brakes off the Wisconsin Badgers a week ago. And although the Badgers have seemed to have fallen from grace this year, Northwestern has been surging. And following the losses to Duke and Akron early in the season, the Wildcats played Michigan Wolverines to the final bell and have since gone on beating the likes of Michigan State, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Coach Fitz may downplay the whole matchup this week, but you better believe he wants to play the spoiler. And he's been very successful. One win as a player, one was a coach in South Bend. Uh, we're going to get you all ready to go for kickoff. Kickoff is just after 7 o'clock, 7.15 kickoff. Your ain't no Irish take on the Northwestern Wildcats. My producer, Tim Growl, is tied up in Indianapolis today and won't make it, but he set up a great show. Our first guest is former Irish wide receiver Robbie Toma. Robbie, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? Great. Give us, a, give us a quick update on life. What's going on? How are things for you? Uh, things been going. Things been going real good. I'm. Um, I work as a claims adjuster out here in Hawaii. I've been doing that for about five years, and uh, I'm the offensive coordinator at my high school. That's awesome, man. I was out in Hawaii uh, to start this year. Actually, when Notre Dame played Michigan, I was out there for a uh, for a baseball camp. Uh, and the weather the weather never um, seems to disappoint when I'm out there. And we appreciate you taking some time today. Give us your overall thoughts uh, on, on Notre Dame this year. Um, offense, defense, uh, obviously they've had some success. They're 8-0. They control their own destiny here in November. What have you liked from these guys so far? I, I just, I, man, I really like their defense. Um, big fan of, you know, how they get to the quarterback, the pressure they're able to put on guys. And um, also the, the hometown kid, uh, along, uh, super proud of him. Known him since he was young, and um, you know it's just it's just nice to see uh, a Hawaii boy out there flying around. You know the big cop- topic of conversation, especially early on, and really all off season, centered around the quarterback. Brian Kelly made the tough decision in in putting Brandon Winbush number two and moving Ian Book to the starter. First off, thoughts on that switch, and and why do you think Ian has had so much success this year? Yeah, it's. Um you know, it's never an easy decision when you gotta, you know, sit a sit a kid, especially you know when Brandon's done a, a great job for the Irish. Um, but you know, you, you can see the spark that Ian 
brought the team from the you know the moment he stepped in as as the starter and um you know it's never just an individual effort you you know i think you know guys have been playing a little bit better but uh i think they're able to open up the play calling just a little bit more with with Ian's skill set and um you know they're they're just a fun offense to watch i i, I love uh shoot i'm drawing a blank with 81 i think it's boykin miles boykin yeah yeah, man, that, that kid's explosive. I love watching him and Claypool play. So it's, uh, you know, we got some guys. This was a, a wide receiver group that, you know, in the offseason, certainly a lot of potential, a lot of talent in that in that room, but not a lot of guys that had a ton of experience. Um, you mentioned Boykin. You mentioned Claypool. What makes this group, you're talking about guys like a Chris Fink and Jafar Armstrong, who's kind of a hybrid that's been used a little bit as a running back and receiver, what makes this group, so dangerous and and what have you seen from their development as this season has continued i think i think you know what what kelly used to tell us is you know when, when you have a young team they don't know that they don't know um, so you, you just kind of see guys flying around they're fearless um they're um you know they, they step up in big moments especially that virginia tech game that was really fun to watch um them go into Virginia Tech and just dominate that game offensively, defensively. I think that's kind of, that kind of not woke them up because they, you know, they were undefeated, but they realized how good they really were. We're talking right now with former Irish wide receiver Robbie Toma, and Robbie, you were part of a an extremely special group in in 2012. And with Notre Dame eight and zero this year, do you see any similarities uh, between your team and this year's team? You know, it, it's hard to compare, especially when, you know, because I was on the team, um, you know, obviously I have my bias <laughs> with uh, with our team, but, um, you know, I, you can see how when, when we won, uh, you know, there was a few games, not a few games, there's a lot of games uh, when we went undefeated where we had to lean on our defense. And, you know, they, they kind of bend, but they don't break, like the uh, – Vanderbilt game, you know, they kind of, Vanderbilt was about to score and our defense stopped them. Um, we had that time and time again when we were 12-0, uh, and 0, so it's fun to watch that defense out there. Um, and, you know, if the other team has the ball at the end of the game, you know our, our defense this year is going to hold. It's important to be successful towards the end of the season. You know, we're looking at November right now. Notre Dame has four games, um, including this one uh, tonight. Back in 2012, was there a message in your guys' locker room on on finishing strong? And if so, you know what was that like um, from a leadership perspective? It was. Um, I, I don't really think that we felt like pressure or that we were um, like nervous week in and week out. I think our senior year we had a, a really good core group of of older guys, and it was just you know. We win the week by preparing during the week. And the way we prepared week in and week out and the way we competed in practice was really important because uh, the games were easy. And, you know, practice was so tough, and Kelly and, and the rest of the staff did a great job of preparing us before Saturday. It's a difficult November this year 
not just with who's on the schedule, but also with the travel that's included. Uh, they played Navy last week in San Diego. They're in Chicago. Evanston against Northwestern tonight. Back home against Florida State. They go out to the East Coast and play Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. And then they finish out on the West Coast uh, against USC. This past week, following the Navy game, Brian Kelly kept the team in San Diego. They actually went back to the hotel room, uh, were able to get a night's sleep, and then leave later in the day on Sunday. Do, do you think that this is because it's talked quite a bit from the outside do you think that this is overplayed is that something that the players are accustomed to or is it a pretty big deal just the amount of travel that they're going to be um, going through here physically and mentally throughout the rest of November yeah I think I mean shoot I remember when we played in Ireland and we came back um, I think we played Purdue the next week just that was it felt like such a short week I mean um, you know we were you know, we were in Ireland for 48 hours or, you know, whatever whatever the time was. And, you know, next thing you know, we're right back. And then we had to, uh, you know, get ready for a, a, a home game against Purdue. So it was, um, you know, traveling is tough. It, it, it's a part of the sport. And it's, it's amazing to see not just how big Notre Dame is in America, but worldwide. And, um, you know, we're... We're traveling everywhere, we're playing big games, we're selling out stadiums, and um, that's just you know amazing for those kids to have that opportunity to be able to travel and see those type of venues. You mentioned the the 2012 in Ireland. Notre Dame's going to be playing um, in 2020 against Navy uh, to kick off the season in Ireland once again. They must have listened to you, Robbie, because they changed the date on that. They're actually moving the game. It's going to be a week earlier than scheduled so that they can have the Notre Dame will end up having two bye weeks. So they'll play Navy. They'll come back. They'll have a bye week uh, and then play Arkansas. And then they'll still have their traditional bye week um, October, the week of October 24th, uh, later in the season as well. So I think that, you know, what comes with this is is balancing. Uh, you know, certainly with Notre Dame's brand, like you mentioned, it is global. Um, you're going to be playing all across the country. You expect that as a player. But it looks like and appears like the staff, the players, there's good conversation and feedback on making sure that these guys um, are taken care of. Recovery is extremely important. And, and maybe you can touch on this a little bit, too. Um, you know, I was at the tail end of my career. There were some some advancements as far as, um, you know, what was going on within the football uh, program. You're seeing now the Campus Crossroads Project. You're seeing an indoor uh, facility. You have a training table, all that. Um, what parts of, of that, Robbie, did, did you see uh, the training table aspect? They've got the zero-gravity uh, chamber now for recovery. Certainly nutrition has taken a bigger role. There's the GPS that Brian Kelly has talked about pretty much all week um, in tracking players. What aspects of that uh, did you get to see firsthand? Um, shoot, what did, what did we uh, The training table was, I think, the most important thing. Um, we didn't have it my freshman year. That was your senior year. Yeah, I missed out on the the uh, free chocolate milk dispenser yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had a we had a lot of fun your senior year. Me and you carried up scout team, but um, I, I think the training table was the most important thing. And 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 you know, recovery is definitely important, but your nutrition is definitely important as well. And um, I'm not sure if it's if you know the uh, players still room with the um you know quote unquote regular students um but i that's always something that i i 
I enjoyed rooming with other students, but when when you got a five a.m. workout and your roommates partying, um, it was a it was a little difficult with that. Um, but I think the training table was was home. Oh, I know it's huge. I was, we were so happy when uh, Coach Kelly came in and brought that in. Robbie, let's uh, let's do this real quick before we get your final your final thoughts and keys to the to the game today and the score. We're gonna play a little rapid fire um, on your time at Notre Dame, and if you want to expound on any of these, they don't have to be quick. You can uh, tell us a little story if you want. But let's start with first one: your favorite spot on campus. Oh, it was it would have to be Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers. Okay, and those for those of you that don't know, Rutgers is a, is a spot to grab some food. Did you have a favorite menu item there? Uh, I think it was the barbecue chicken pizza. All right, we're on the same page then. I'm glad that that's the pick because that's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, best football memory? Uh, the um, first time I, I ran out of the tunnel for sure. It was, man, I was, you know, took the, uh, uh, took the breath right out of me. What is, you know, for, for no one that's ever done that before, is it difficult to put into words that type of feeling? Yeah, I just, I mean, your first time, it was, it was it, for me, it was just amazing to see that many people kind of stacked on top of each other. Um, it just, oh man, it was unreal. Let's go with food again. How about North or South Dining Hall? Ooh, I'm a South guy. <laughs> All right, back to I'm, football. I'm a, most uh, Most unique atmosphere outside of Notre Dame that you played in? Oh, um, I really liked uh, I really liked playing at Michigan State in Michigan. Mich- Michigan State always a pretty um, intense place to play. Those fans uh, they get after it. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, this year's team final record this year. We'll, we'll say regular season. Final, fi- okay, all right. There we go. <laughs> Most memorable um, pregame tradition for you? Hmm. I'd say uh, uncapping the salts and the pepper on the table <laughs> uh, for my teammates to get a nice dose of pepper and salt on their uh, <laughs> on their food. <laughs> Got to keep it loose, you know? <laughs> um, favorite, favorite play call? Oh, I loved, uh, I believe it was North 626 Chunk. It was a nice little uh, over route by the slot. Take, take, us, uh, take us through that play, kind of what you're looking at, you know, based on coverage uh, and why you liked it so much. I just, I, I, I definitely enjoyed when there was single high. Um, and off of the play fake, if I'm running that over route, you kind of, uh, we used to call stair step that, that middle safety, try to keep them off of you, get behind the backers, and then you can flatten it out or you can carry it to the other hash. Um, definitely a play that I enjoyed running. This is Evan Sharpland, WSBT's game day show. We're chatting with former Notre Dame wide receiver Robbie Tomo. We're playing a little rapid fire right now. We'll keep it rolling. How about the best athlete you played with? I think this is going to shock some people, but I'm going to go with either Zach Martin or Chris Watt. You got to elaborate then a little bit here. You got you got to, you got to see those two play basketball. They got <laughs> they got some really good feet, and uh, you know they got some some 
some handles, and they can also, you know, they have some good touch at the rim as well. Well, that's some that's some good love for the Irish offensive line. I don't know if you saw old Mike McGlinchey for the 49ers lead blocking 40 yards down the field uh, this Thursday night game. Did you happen to see that? No, that was, that was yeah, that was impressive. Di- yeah, dial uh, that, that guy, one up right there. That, that, that's a big human run in there. <laughs> Let's go uh, opponents that you played. So we went best athlete you played with. What about best athlete you played against? Oh, I'm probably going to have to say Greg Reed from Florida State. He was a, he was a smaller corner. I also had the opportunity to play him um, in the uh, – we played him in the Champ Sports Bowl, and I also got to play against him uh, in the high school American game. Robbie, final question. Probably the most difficult. What quarterback threw the best ball? Oh, oh, oh. Got to go with my man, Evan Sharp. <laughs> he, he came out, he came out uh, pro day through dimes. Um, and uh, I'll, honestly, I'll never forget scout team. You and I, you and I, um, you know, tearing it up. You always looked at me. You always took care of me, and I always appreciated that. Yeah, we had a we had a good time on that scout team. I don't think uh, the defense or the defensive coaches liked us too much because we usually went off script. But uh, you and I had some pretty we good. We had, we, we had some we had some pretty good uh, some pretty good times there hooking up, uh, throwing some touchdown passes. Do you, do you remember when they made us rerun the screen after <laughs> I scored and Sergio blew me up? I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. We definitely had a good time. <laughs> I remember. Um, oh, Robbie, we appreciate you taking some time. Before we let you go, how about a, a couple final thoughts, uh, your keys to the game today, and a score prediction? Uh, you know, I think my, my final thoughts are, you know, no matter what happens the rest of the season, I think that um, us as, as fans and, uh, you know, we just need to remember that those kids work their tails off every day. And, uh, you know, they love the university just as much as any one of us uh, does. And I've uh, always keep that in mind. Those kids battle their hearts out. The coaches, you know, they're spending time away from their families for our university. And uh, we just always need to appreciate that. Um, as, far, as far as the game, I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's, I'm not sure what the score is, but I'm saying at least 21 Irish. All right. Well, Robbie, we'll take that one to the bank. Um, again, thanks so much for uh, your time. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and go Irish. Hey, go Irish. It's always good to talk to you, brother. Good to talk to you as well. This is WSBT's Game Day Show. We'll re- be right back with Rick Meyer on Michiana Sports Leader WSBT. This is two-time Notre Dame All-American Alan Pinkett. Now back to Game Day AM on WSBT. The Game oh, Day Irish. Show is brought to you by Budweiser. Great times are waiting. Grab some buds. Carmelo's at McCree's, your post-game dining destination in McCree's Italian Bakery for all your tailgating needs. Eddie Street Commons at Notre Dame. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Eric Yetterberg in South Bend or Matt Stem in Osceola. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Together, we can stop hunger. Learn more at feedindiana.org. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, and you're listening to your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT on the game day show. Notre Dame kicks off tonight against Northwestern, and i got to be honest, this weekend has me a little bit scared. I'm not sure if it's due to Halloween being a few days ago or what, but I'm scared of these Northwestern Wildcats. I'm kind of scared of Coach Pat Fitzgerald. He's 2-0, one as a player, one as a coach. I'm scared that Northwestern has not beaten Notre Dame in Evanston since 1962. 
It all scares me, but let's be clear. I'm not terrified because I like this Notre Dame football team. And we'll get into that a little bit more. We got our, our next guest, uh, Rick Meyer, uh, on the phone. Rick, how are things going? I'm doing great. How you doing? Before we get started, I always have a laundry list of people that want to say hello to you when you're on the show. I've got Mike Biller, Tom Kahn, and the Jerleckis all saying hello. Oh, that's that's perfect. Tom, Tom, I said hi. Tom, Tom has some good stories um, about you. Um, he's a he's yeah. a guy I've gotten to know over the last couple of weeks, but a, a great individual. And again, he won he wanted to say hello. So, real quick, uh, before we start talking uh, some Notre Dame football, a little bit about your playing time. Give us a quick update on life. What's going on, son at Notre Dame? Uh, younger son playing football, who I heard is shooting up. Uh, like a beanstalk, maybe six four, six five at this point. Uh, what's been going on in your life? It's been a busy fall. It's fun, you know. Our oldest is at uh, Notre Dame, and he had the fall ball and all the lacrosse stuff that that, that entails. And uh, things are a little bit easier the second time around, you know, that second second year of school. Uh, the other two are back here at Cathedral Catholic. A senior Oliver playing kind of a slot receiver Z catching some balls, running some balls, and then uh, Charlie's the freshman, the only one that's playing quarterback. And, uh, yeah, he passed me. He, he reminds me daily that he's taller. Uh, he borrows my shoes, you know, the whole thing. But it's been a fun football, you know, fall, and uh, it's, it's especially fun to see see the Irish playing the way they are. You know, having uh, gone through the recruiting process yourself, how is that now navigating it for your kids? Well, it's been all lacrosse. I mean, Charlie's just a young buck, but uh, and we haven't done any of the camps or elite, you know, passing kind of stuff because he's done more baseball than football. But I, I see it all around. I mean, a lot of these, you know, kids, especially in Orange County, there's a ton of talent, very high expectations, some very unrealistic. Uh, but the, the recruiting thing starts so young, you know, it's a lot different than it used to be. But I don't blame these kids. You know, they get in front of the right people and they get some stuff offered to them that. You know, gets them into the right schools and then gives them beautiful opportunities to develop and see what the next step can be. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope with some of the some of the racket around it. But you know, it's just a different era. The recruiting—I mean, the recruiting story certainly has changed. Um, you know, even since I was playing. If you wouldn't mind, can you take us through your recruiting story, kind of what that process was like, and you know, being so close to Notre Dame, um, how, how that story went for you. You know, I was a Big Ten kind of kid. You know, I grew up around uh, closest to Notre Dame, but really was a Michigan fan and went to Bloomington a little bit. And, you know, um, I knew the rivalries and, and didn't expect, gosh, as a freshman, sophomore, I mean, playing in college was a dream. You know, it was like, we'll see what happens. There weren't a lot of examples of guys locally who did it. So, you know, as things kind of developed uh, into my junior year, uh, a couple camps, you know, at IU and Michigan, and you get exposed to some of these coaches who are looking for a certain, you know, certain size guy, um, it, it started picking up and, and really took off to where it was coast to coast, and you have to determine where you want to visit and, you know, what you're actually interested in. So my list got whittled down fairly quickly. I was, I visited UCLA, and I went to Bloomington and Ann Arbor, and Florida State was on the radar until Mark Ricks left, so my contact was changing. Miami was on me, putting quite a bit of pressure on me. I was interested in Stanford. There were a lot of, a lot of options and a lot of different ways to do it. It came down to Notre Dame and Michigan for me, and it just happened to be, you know, an 88 when 
Colts and the whole groups, you know, running the table. I'm the recruit that's local at most every home game. Got to know the whole team, and I just said I just want to be a part of that. You know, so it, it looks obvious, and I still get the question all the time: Were you always going to go to Notre Dame? No, I, I really wasn't until you know the end of the senior experience. And today, you know, guys were already enrolling at that point; they've already decided. But it was it was a good process to meet a lot of people and, and kind of you know have to decide between a bunch of good choices. What what was Lou's pitch to you? Winning. You know, just education, being first class and, and having a chance to be a really good team and around a bunch of guys that really a young team that won a championship. There were senior leaders and stuff, but, you know, Derek Brown and Rocket and Rodney Culver, those guys were all just a year ahead of me. So um, there, there was a, there was a you know, there wasn't an era where guys left early. Rocket wound up doing it, but it, it wasn't very common. So, you know, it was a chance to be on a group that was going to be good the whole time, which is what happened. Uh, we didn't win another championship, but we were in the mix every single year. And um, yeah, his his he didn't promise me passes or style of play or any of that. It was like we're going to win games. That that'll take care of everything else. And and he was right. You know, it, it, it didn't make things that easy at the next level with the experience or inexperience, you could say, with the passing stuff. But uh, I, I was totally fine with winning games and being on championship type teams and having a chance to play in the big bowl games and. Um, have pressure and have expectations and be able to you know deliver most of the time. You're listening to WSBT's Game Day as I talk with former Notre Dame quarterback Rick Meyer. Rick, week in and week out, we hear stories about uh, former coaches uh, with players. Do you have a, a favorite loose story that you're able to share with us? You know, there's a lot of silly little ones, you know, comments, you know, where he, or, or he'd kick a guy out of practice and jump in there and try to play guard and, like, just tell him to run the play and where, where no one knew what to do or he was going to return a punt or something and, <laughs> you know, breaks his finger. You've probably heard all those. But the one that I experienced was he came to my high school and it was one of those winter horrible days. I think it was – could have been – I think it was December, December or January. And he slips and falls right on his back walking in – right by the athletic director's office, and just boom. And it's like he's, you know, he's not a big guy. And it, it looked like he just was, like, knocked out. And he <laughs> kind of pick him up and throw him over your shoulder kind of thing, get him in, set him down. And he just pops up and shakes my hand and says, I'm Lou Holtz. You know, it was, like, <laughs> it was it happened so fast. It was just hysterical. But uh, I wasn't allowed to laugh. It was We were concerned about him being, you know, very, you know, hurt and, uh but that was just something that happened just in front of a few people, and it was, it was pretty funny. And uh, he remembers, and we've laughed about it since. Well, one thing that, that Notre Dame, you know, is is well known for is they're they're four for forty, and I'm sure that uh, Coach Holtz, you know, hammered something along those lines within the recruiting realm um, as well. How have you seen that come to fruition in your life and what you're doing now? It's funny, you see that a lot now, and I'm following out with all the social media and stuff and all the things that they're pumped out. Um, 440 is a very common phrase. That wasn't said back in my time, but the, the, that, the concept was there. It was like this is a decision that, you know, it's like an insurance policy. You, you hurt your leg or, you know, you can't play or something. You, you, this education is worth a lot, and uh, the, the connections you're going to have and the opportunities um, all over the place, not just regionally. So... It's been very real. I mean, I, I played for seven teams after, so I lived in a lot of different parts of the country, and there's Notre Dame stuff everywhere. And everybody knows that, but I got to experience it firsthand. Um, 
you know, from the, the Pacific Northwest to New York and Green Bay and everywhere else. And um, it, it's just, it's, there's endless connections, regardless of age, with the alumni and even Subway alumni when it comes to business. Uh, there's a lot of charity things that overlap. There's, there's excitement around these games. We just had, you know, the team in town here in San Diego up against Navy, and it's like the whole, every Notre Dame person comes out of the woodwork, and there's all these things going on, and um, it's, it's, it's a permanent thing. And it's not even 40. It's four for forever. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a long-term thing. And now as a parent of a kid there who his, whose goal isn't to play professionally necessarily in his sport, uh, it's a very real thing, you know, looking at internships and looking at, you know, what kind of direction you want to go and taking school very seriously. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, I've, I've lived it from, you know, the athlete side and the student uh, and for the m- many years in between being a parent. And I'm, I'm really proud of my kid. And I'm, ex- I'm excited for his future. He's got good things lined up because of that exact concept of uh, take it seriously and it's going to be something that can kind of benefit you the whole way through your life. Rick, you may be onto something with that four for forever. We might need to send that over to Notre Dame and get that uh, get that one trademarked right there. Yeah, that just came out. Remember me when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on at Mirror Wines. Um, how people can uh, connect with that, and uh, the story behind how it got started. Yeah, I got you know I did four years in the Bay Area back in. Uh, early 2000s toward the end of my career and it was two at the Raiders and two at the Niners and you know the, the the Raiders years were training camp in Napa Valley and I was already into wine but I didn't I hadn't lived there I mean I hadn't spent you know weeks there at a time so that's really where it kind of got very interesting uh, I learned a lot met people got interested in multiple you know facets of the of the industry but mostly as a collector and just a consumer and that you know I like to get the stuff that was hard to find and and all that and then we wind up in san diego a few years later and haven't left you know still but i'm you know, living in california i wanted to understand wine and a couple of years after i finished um i wasn't necessarily bored but i knew it was coming and i wanted to do something different i, I had coaching opportunities and different sorts of things to stay in football i kind of needed to do something else or just wanted to challenge myself a different way and Boy, did I do that. I mean, this is just as competitive as, as, uh, as the sports part. You know, it's, it's, there's so much wine. It's, it's all over the world. It's, you know, there's grapes growing in every state in the country. It's um, definitely not like the world needed another brand. But we, we're just a small brand that's, um, you know, making progress all the time. We've, we've recently had some changes, but it's, it's, but most of the stuff that happens is in California. We sprinkle around some other states. There's now with the Notre Dame family wine program and some of the stuff going on in the stadium. It's really a better fit there than it ever has been before. There's a few restaurants that have been supportive, but generally we focus in California because it's, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit more common, but you know, it's, we've been able to help a lot of charities and the foundation we have and some of the stuff, not just donating wine to everybody else, but even finding ways to raise a little bit of money and have some scholarship stuff happen at Notre Dame and helping other schools and, you know, kids' uh, health and education kind of areas in California and in Indiana and a lot of other spots where it comes up. But uh, it's just a, it's an everyday thing for me. I mean, it's even weekends. I mean, I, I never know when certain things are going to happen. And, uh, you know, I've been pushing pretty hard. I had to learn a lot. 
and I'm doing a lot, but it's been it's rewarding often. It's frustrating sometimes, but it's it's fun to share it and kind of introduce it to people who haven't seen it, even though we've been in this thing already uh, 10 years now. Well, for those that, that want to check out Mirror Wines, you can go to mirrorwines.com. Uh, um, you're listening right now to uh, Notre Dame's WSBT game day show before the Irish and Wildcats kick off tonight at 7.15. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, along with former quarterback Rick Myron. Certainly we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Irish this year. What have been your overall thoughts so far? It's been fun to watch. I, I went to the Vandy game. Uh, it was the one that worked out in our schedule, so... I'm usually good for one or two um, in the fall. And, uh, you know, some of the early stuff uh, I, I felt for Brandon, I was, you know, thinking we had a chance to be pretty good. But when you switch and you kind of get that spark and, you know, this guy's playing pretty good now, I think it, we, it took another step. And, and the Stanford game was very pivotal, obviously. And it seems like the plan was to have, you know, have some patience early, but maybe if they had to make the change, make it a week before that one and uh, kind of ex- expect that to be a te- real test. So they seem for real. I mean, there's, there's, it looks like a healthy team, you know, knock on wood, and, and defense is stronger than the last bunch of years, it feels like. So, um, you know, they're, they're feel, it feels like there's, there's a more athletic kind of group running around and big plays and causing turnovers and stuff. So, I'm on the bandwagon now. Just ride this thing as long as we can and get back into the get back into the real serious games. But you have to get past, like you said earlier, scary scary matchups like Northwestern because they're they're no slouch. Talk about Ian Book a little bit more. What have you What have you liked the most um, about him and what he's brought to the table for this offense? Just the rhythm. You know, the t- the ball comes out. The, the, the it seems like every game, the first play is a pass. It's like there's confidence in his decision-making. And not everything's been perfect. There's been a few hiccups here and there. But the first few games, you know, it was like the it was like things were moving faster and the defense is on their heels a little bit. And, and he seems pretty accurate. I mean, the ball, you know, there's, there's, there's a big difference between completing one and hitting the guy on the front shoulder and letting him go for, you know, another 10, 12 yards or whatever. So um, he, he's, he's probably been a thrower first and a runner second but he's he runs better than i than i knew i mean he's athletic looking and um it just feels like it just it's not that brandon didn't throw the ball or you know well at times it's just this this just, just feels more consistent there's just more probably a lot easier calling plays when you have a little a little more confidence in the, the accuracy and some of the decisions that the quarterback's making Rick, we can, uh, and this is a fun fact about Ian. Ian was a great lacrosse player, so we can chalk up his athleticism to that background right there, which I know you know full well. Did not, yeah, did not know that. He, that's he's got the right build for it. Yeah, there's, that he, those kids all look the same. The whole lacrosse group is like they're identical. They're all six one and. 180, so <laughs> maybe 200 pounds. Rick, before we let you go, let's play a quick game. We're going to do a little over-under um, on the offense tonight. Uh, Ian Book right now is leading the nation in pass completion. Is he going to go over-under 70, 70% tonight completion percentage? Ugh. Under. under. 70 is a big number. <laughs> he's, he's sitting currently at 76% right now during his start so far this year. Let's go. Uh, he's averaging right around seven or eight different guys catching passes per game. You go over or under eight different guys will catch a pass tonight. 
God, you're talking to a guy who hasn't seen anything about this game. Uh, let's say over. I hope he hits a bunch, gets a bunch of guys involved. I'll take the over. All right. Ian Book, two touchdown passes. Over, under. Over. How about Dexter Williams goes for over or under 100 yards rushing? Over. I, I like that kid. I'm glad he's he's back. How about the Irish over under 30 points scored? Ooh. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm going to take, I'm going to go over with that. All right. Before we let you go, how about final thoughts uh, on tonight's game? Just some keys um, on a matchup like this on the road, potentially in a hostile, unique environment. Um, and if you'd like, a score prediction. Wow. Well, I don't know anything about Northwestern other than I like the coach, and I think they play hard. They're gonna they're gonna be ready for the challenge. I, I mean, the pressure is on us to kind of keep keep taking care of the ball and keep, um, you know, getting into hostile environments and handling the noise and handling all the the way it works when we show up and that's everybody's biggest game. So. Um, I mean, we're going to win the game. I think it's going to be, especially when I listen to the guys this morning on on Sports Center or ESPN. I mean, it, you know, it could be close, but I can see kind of a thirty-one twenty-four kind of game. Rick, thanks so much for your time today. Hopefully, everyone that's tailgating has a bottle of mirror wine. Um, anytime you'd like to be on the show, we'd love to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for including me. This is your home for Notre Dame football, 96.1 WSBT. This is the game day show. We'll be right back with Cody Riggs. May I have your attention, please? This is Tim McCarthy for the Indiana State Police. You are listening to WSBT, your radio home for Notre Dame football. The game day show is brought to you by GolfstreamCoach.com, the hearing aid service, Hearth and Home, Kurt Outdoor Living, and Leck Lightner Door. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, and your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT, as we preview the Notre Dame versus Northwestern game, which kicks off tonight at 7.15. I like this Irish defense a lot. I love the way the front four have been playing, creating pressures, allowing uh, the backside of the defense to be extremely productive this year. It's been a bend but don't break mentality, um, and we're going to need a repeat performance tonight against the Wildcats. Offensively, it's been the Ian Book show since he took over at quarterback. He's been tremendous, completing over 75% of his passes. He's been the catalyst and has really given this offense a lot of balance and consistency, and it's going to be needed tonight under the lights if Notre Dame is going to continue their winning streak. We just got done talking with former Notre Dame wide receiver Robbie Toma, former Notre Dame quarterback Rick Meyer, and now we're joined by former Notre Dame quarterback Cody Riggs, who's on the 2014 Irish team. Cody, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Appreciate you taking some time today, as we've done with our other guests. Kind of give us an update on uh, your time since Notre Dame and and what's been going on. Uh, So I played for two years uh, with the Titans after I left Notre Dame, and then I played for a year and a half with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And right now I'm a free agent. So just uh, been working down here in South Florida, uh, waiting for a call, so we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Uh, hey, hey, keep working. Have you been able to uh, watch the Irish at all this year? Yes, I have. They look they look very good. Offense is, is very balanced. Uh, I think this is them. The, the most balanced we've looked since I want to say 2015, and, and the most dominant we've looked since 2015. I think that was the year after I left. 
Um, and I, I think we have a chance to, to do something really special this year. And, and what about this defense? Uh, you know, what maybe looks to be the biggest difference um, over the course of the last couple of years, the, the switch to Mike Elko's defense, now Clark Lee taking over and continuing to run this four-two-five defense. In, in your mind and what you're seeing, the product that's on the field, what's been the biggest change? I think what it is, we have a lot of playmakers. There's playmakers at, at every position. Uh, guys can take the ball away at every position, and that's something that I think may have been lacking over the past few years, the, the, the guys that were creating turnovers. And, and now we have that. We have a bunch of guys that, that are ball hawks, and I think that's what's making a difference. Up front right now, guys like Jerry Tillery, Julian Aquara, uh, Dalen Hayes, a lot of pressures up front. Just speak to what that does on the back end for a corner, uh, like a guy like Julian Love, maybe Alohi Gilman at safety. What does that do to the back end of the defense um, as far as confidence and even the types of coverages that you're able to play? Well, as a, as a corner, when you have a, a very dominant defensive line, it, you know the ball's coming out fast. You can kind of sit on routes. You can anticipate plays. and You don't have to cover guys twice. You don't have to worry about the quarterback getting out of contain. You, you can just cover your guy for once, and, and the ball's coming out fast, and you have a chance to make plays. Do you have a favorite player on this defense? Uh, no, I don't. I like, I like Julian Love. I think he makes a lot of plays, but I'm, I'm being biased because I play corner. But uh, I, I think the entire defense is, uh, is full of playmakers. Um, but I would say in the secondary, I do enjoy watching Julian Love. Um, he, he tends to make a lot of plays. We, we played a game with uh, former Notre Dame quarterback Rick Meyer on the offensive side, a little over-under. Um, I'd like to do the same with you, too, just looking at the defensive side. Um, so the first one I have for you, over-under tonight, Julian Love, three pre- pass breakups. He's now the all-time leader in Notre Dame history in pass breakups. Do you mm-hmm. think he notches over or under three tonight? I think he has over. Uh, we're playing an offense that already has 2,000 passing yards this year, and um, they're going to they're gonna air it out. Uh, they're not going to be able to run on our defensive line, and in my opinion, and they're going to rely on the pass heavily. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities, um, and if he makes the most of it, he'll definitely be over that over that number. A major stalwart on this Irish defense this year has been linebacker Tavon Coney. He's been a tackle machine. I'm going to set uh-huh. the over under here at ten. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm going for fifteen. He's, he's talented. <laughs> he's he's a Florida kid, and I love watching him play. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go fifteen there. He's he's been he's been all over the field since he got to Notre Dame, and I think he's going to have a, a heck of a game tonight. Um, you know, maybe maybe he'll make some plays in the passing game as well, considering they're going to be airing it out. What Julian Aquara has done this year has been nothing short of impressive. Um, you know, something Notre Dame has done over the course of the last four or five years, and, and you may have experienced this too, is tracking through GPS, both in practice, uh, monitoring workload, but they're also looking at the speed training. Um, and he's one of the guys that's been around 18, 19 miles an hour, top-end speed, mm-hmm. even this late in the season. I'm going to set the over-under for him at three quarterback hurries or pressures. you think he goes over or under that? Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go over just because, like I said, they're going to be dropping back and passing the ball. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities to make plays, um, and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to get to the quarterback. So um, if the quarterback's smart, he'll get it. He'll get the ball out. But um, if he doesn't, I, I expect him to have a few sacks tonight as well. I've got two more for you. The first one here, Northwestern goes over or under 200 yards through the air. <sighs> that, that's one of those, those, those tough questions just because uh, <laughs> if we're up on them, I expect them to be throwing the ball a lot, and if we get them into a lot of third and longs, 
you know, sometimes that number is a little skewed. So I'm going to go over, but I don't think it's going to be 200 yards as effective as you think. Well, and, it, and that's how this Irish defense has played this whole year. They've given up some yards, but have limited the touchdowns, mm-hmm. limited the explosive plays. Uh, Cody, last one for you. Over under 14 points given up. I'm going to say over. Just We're playing a very explosive offense. I think it's going to be, be some fireworks tonight. Uh, I think our offense is going to do very well tonight. But um, I think we get up on them early. Uh, you know, they, they may score a little bit later in the game, but, but I'm going to go over on that just because uh, their offense is explosive. But I think we'll respond well. Cody, appreciate your time. Wrap this up for me real quick. Three keys to today's game. doesn't have to be three. You could give two if you want. And potentially a final score. Um, I say we the first key is control the line of scrimmage. We need to be able to run the ball on them, control the clock. Um, our secondary has to make plays. That's two, and um, we have to win on special teams. I think I think if we can break the game open on a big return, that'll set the tone. Do you have a final score prediction? Final score. I'm going to go 35-20. I like it. We'll take that one to the bank too. Appreciate Cody and uh, go Irish. Go Irish. This is WSBT's Game Day. We'll be right back with my keys to the game on Michiana Sports Leader WSBT. The Game Day show is brought to you by Made by Hemp, State Farm Insurance, United Beverage, Wings, etc., Zolman's Tire and Auto Care. It's that time of the show. My three keys to the game. Number one, manage the environment. Two, control the line of scrimmage. And three, win the turnover margin. My confidence in the Irish won't waver this week, although I do believe this game will be close. I'm going to take the Irish, once again, 30-23. to 23. And the unbeaten streak continues. I want to thank Robbie Toma, Rick Meyer, and Cody Riggs for taking time out of their Saturday to join me. Thank you to Matt Embry here in the WSBT studio for all of his assistance. Right after the news, it's Darren, Sean, and Eric with everything you need to know about today's matchup, then the Notre Dame tailgate and pregame show. Kickoff after 7.15 p.m. tonight with the broadcast team of Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan. After the game, Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks. Join us out at Ivy Court and Suites next Saturday at 10 a.m. as we get you ready for Florida State versus Notre Dame or tune in to the show right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 WSBT. This is Evan Sharpley. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.